All right, we are live. Awesome. Hi there, everybody. I'm Dr. Sunny Daniel, and I am here with Sean Hartman. Happy to be here. I'm so excited we're getting into this. Yes, finally. So this is our first episode of a Democrat and Republican walk into a bar, and we are recording live here at Ollie's Club and Records in Cape Coral, and I have a Miami beer. Right now, you've got a Coke. I've got a Coke. I'm not a big drinker. I'm going, I'm going I decided that we'll help out our friends here at, at Ollie's mm -hmm. and we'll have a an opportunity here. So this is the first episode and we hope that we're, we might have to push it to 430, but we hope that you will come here and join us at Ollie's for the conversation. Stay afterwards, listen in, get questions from the audience. We want this to be an interactive conversation yeah. across party lines. Yes. Yeah. So tell us, Sean, what are you thinking? about in terms of how you want to see this podcast? Oh, really? I think that this is a lot of issues that were that are out there right now. Unfortunately, because of how politics is so polarizing, divided, my side sees you as socialist, communist, Marxist, or whatever, and then you see us as authoritarians and fascists, and the fact is that we have a difference of opinion on how we should go in terms of our direction of our I've spoken to you many times yep. privately. I've gotten to know you as an individual. And it's like, that's how we are as, as, as Americans. And I've just right. wanted, feel like we need to have these conversations in a civil way, in a way that's not just like attacking each other all the time and try to really understand the other side. And I know that probably most of this audience is probably Democrat. I'm probably the first Republican you're talking to. I'm just really excited to be doing this and to at least present that to your audience. Yeah, and I'll say I agree that we need to have more dialogue. It is a good opportunity to talk, but I will tell you one thing, that this audience is it's very democratic, but it's not necessarily establishment yeah. So we're a no. little different, but we have, we were talking about this beforehand mm. of our other show, live show, Juice, Fresh Talk. That's with myself and Chantal Rose. Yeah. We filmed that on Thursdays, 6 p.m. at B in downtown Fort Myers. That's another conversation. And it's that's also one challenging boundaries of what makes a Democrat and a Republican. So I think that with, this is a yeah. very open space. I know, you know, and I'm not like I mean, the great thing about our the Republican Party, and I think the Democratic Party to some extent as well. The Republican Party tends to be very intense. I'm more on the libertarian side, the social issues. I to be more liberal. So on certain things, I may not always even agree with what my, my own party is doing. This is, I'm sure that your audience and your fellow Democrats get pretty upset. And I know we've had some private <laughs> conversations about some concerns with the Democratic establishment down Sure. Here. We're definitely, I know that we're both, even within our own party, a bit of black sheep. It's also, we're reg regular people. Exactly. But like, regular people are not parties. They yeah. are complex and they, you may agree with this side or that side, or this issue is more important than that issue. And then the rest, of it, and we're one, so we are like yeah. into it. Yeah, we're very much policy. But then the rest of the people who are just regular voters, they're, they're all over the place. Yeah, they don't, you, and, and, and it's, you know, this left-right paradigm, people are much more complex than that. And right. there's sometimes you'll have conservatives who, who take views that they don't realize are probably more progressive and progressive right. take people that they may not realize are more conservative. So it's much more, the ideas are much more fluid. Right. You know, our, in, in 
normal everyday life is not right or right. And real people are mm -hmm. not easily put into a box. Exactly. The way that politicians and the people who like support politicians and want to analyze voters and stuff like that. It's not, <laughs> not fun drive. All the pundits and stuff. And I love Steve Parnacki, by the way. That's one of the only reasons I've ever watched MSNBC. It's Steve Parnacki and the Discord and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you're right. It's like trying to pigeonhole by your different groups, different beliefs. You can't. Good. So, yeah. So, cheers to conversation. Yeah. And, yeah. And just, just because we have a long title, our hashtag is DVR in a bar. Because that's it. real fun. Yeah. And like I said, we want you to come. We want you to have the conversation. Yeah. Let's get things going. But before we get too far in, Sean, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? <laughs> Who are you? What do you do? And why do you want to be here? Oh, so my name is Sean. For those that couldn't tell already, I've been involved here locally for quite a while. For about a decade now, but my first campaign was your opponent, Tyron Donald's first oh. congressional campaign in wow. 2012. So I've been around for a while. I've been involved. Uh, for quite some time. Right now, from there, when I started in politics, I was um, actually just going around with a camera. I really just wanted to be an educated voter and know what yeah. our candidates are doing. So I would go around with a camera and just bother them with questions. And that's how I met uh, State Senator Jonathan Merton. That's how we first met. Okay. That's how I met all these different people running for office, including Byron. I put a camera up to his face and asked him a bunch of questions back then. From there, Republicans have really given me an opportunity to grow, obviously from where how we first met, right. and I'm on the opposite side of it. So what, when I started in politics, that was like a major part of my identity. I told everyone I wanted to be politics. It was yeah. who I was. And Republicans saw me and they're like, yeah, that's you, but there's more to you. And right. I got my first job while working in the paper, the land of the paper, so I have right. legitimacy. Okay. Currently, I write, I report on what our city council is doing. Right. They call city council down here. And what's uh, the name of that? That is Council Watch. Okay. Council Watch. Nope, check that out. That is um, forcing a bit too expensive to just keep running the own website. On your was, own. And I was always doing it for free. I didn't really want to. I considered like making it into a business, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought I don't want to paint it in that way. I want yeah. to provide my reporting in the way I like to contribute. So thankfully there is a, a local website that was willing to continue publishing my work. So I'm still doing that, enjoying that. I just like you know, like a big policy walk. That's how we started to get to know each other. Right. Talking about policy mm -hmm. issues. I've been wanting to do this style of podcast for a while because I just feel like we've gotten too divided. I know yeah. Republicans who won't go to businesses or restaurants that are owned by Democrats, and it's just. And I even when I was telling some of my Republican friends I'm thinking about doing this podcast with Cindy Bandy, like don't do it. Why would you give? And they're like, why would you give her a platform, even though technically you're still giving me a platform? Why give her the time of day? And, and I always, and I've been saying internally, you've been increasing the numbers. Like, I am legitimately concerned about what you are doing here. And, and mind you, we're fine. We're <laughs> yeah, fine here locally, but you, we, I, yeah, but with the autism, autistic people have a lot of systems, data driven thinking. And mm -hmm. so I looked at 2026, 2028, and those, the trends that, that you are giving more of a fight than. I have expected anybody expected. Yeah, than anyone expected, which I respect. I obviously don't want you to know. And I've said for a few for the past few years, I got excited, I think, in 2020 when you had a bunch of Democrats running. Right. And I told you, I'm getting tired, at least here locally, of us running.
running and not being challenged. We as Republicans should at least be challenged. Yeah. Especially if you're wanting to win our votes. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. I respect you're putting up a fight, giving us Republicans a challenge, even though Republicans don't see that much of a threat. I think they should. Yeah. It's like no. Yeah. So I will say that I so I practice in Miami. If you guys don't know me already, um, I was the Democratic nominee for U.S. House of Representatives for the 19 and 2020 and then 2022. And yes, I was a workhorse candidate in 2020. Mm. I beat 2018 Democratic very uh, much, beat him a lot. Stunned everybody. But because, like we were saying, regular voters, even primary voters, are not the same as mm. the party elite, these people yeah. who are in control. And so mm. I kind of came in, everybody was like, oh, okay. But I had worked in politics and governance and worked in organizing. So I know how to talk to people in, in, in the next step short in line, right? Yeah. So I, yeah, so I moved the district one point in the Democratic direction in 2020. Yeah. And I actually outperformed by 1.3 points in 2022. So well, even you, though yeah, it was you, a bloodbath. Yeah, you, in 2020, you had gotten the most Democrat had ever gotten. Ever gotten. Yep. So that was when I started paying attention to you on a strategic level. Like, okay, he's so right. The party should be concerned, and they don't listen to me. So this district is safe for Republicans. It is. It is. Um, and that's what they see, but they don't understand. You understand, mind you. We always have this problem. Lee and Collier County is what keeps Florida rap. Keep taking these deaths, and we don't respond. We, me, you can flip Florida blue in 2024 or 2026. It's a real possibility. Yeah. But they're not. There's enough of discussions. Yeah, but they've done a good job of, of making sure. And gerrymandering. And listen, mm. every party cannot work gerrymanders, yep. okay? But yeah, they draw maps that are favorable to themselves. Yep. And so they, the DeSantis maps in the congressional district are have made it. Most of the seats are safe Republicans. There's only a couple, like, really mildly in favor of Republicans. But they really did a good job of packing the Democrats. So the Democrat seats are plus 25. Yeah. Plus 30. The ones that we wouldn't even They just give them up. Yeah. But like this one's are plus 13. So it's a tough margin mm. so that it's a majority yeah. party in the district fight, but it's not so overwhelming. That's one of the ways that they draw the lines. Um, mm. But making those moves was something that I had, I had done. I also, by the way, in this district in 2022, I outran all of the statewide Democrats in the district. Mm. So that's Charlie Crank. That was Naomi yeah. Wilmer. Look, yeah. I think anyone could run two points higher. But I, <laughs> listen, I know. Listen, there's only three congressional candidates in the state that did that. Really? Yep. Myself, Eric Lynn, and Republican are the only three that in their district, if it wasn't already a majority Democratic district, that ran ahead of those three candidates. Charlie, Chris, is, is really like the, eat the hardest one. <laughs> It's a nice song. <laughs> but the thing was, too, is what I thought, folks, is that is cool. Like, he's yeah. got a gun, he's got a hot wife. It's, it's cool. But not only, and he also, yes, his wife was distracted, but he was also standing by her during the whole cancer situation. Right. That was a big thing. My mom's a doctor, and she told me she voted for Ron DeSantis. Like, he, crossed, he had people cross party lines. And I think, I mean, part of that I do think with Charlie Chris, I personally thought that Nikki Freed had a much better shot than Charlie Chris would have had. Me too. But uh, <laughs> because Charlie Chris, we know who he is. He's been at, you know, what, what actually when I posted 
this when I shared this on my Facebook, one of my friends commented under that old joke. Democrat or Republican and an independent walk into a bar, the bartender asks, What would you like, Tony? This, oh my God. And she just commented on this. But yeah, but that's, I thought I was <laughs> sad that you guys weren't that foolish to I wasn't, okay. So let me, let me break that out. Because first of all, Charlie Chris is so vanilla that no one was excited. But that was the point. So, like, boomer voters, boomer Democratic primary voters, yeah. they felt very comfortable with it. He was a man, he was an older man, he wasn't going to rock the boat, and I mean, he had this old Biden vibe, yeah. right? And that's what they thought was going to win. Um, but they're wrong, obviously. Yeah. Well, clearly. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Crystal's here. <laughs> She's popping in. Crystal, She's going to have her own podcast starting here soon. Hey. Hey, Lefty Bestie. Good to see you, Raven. <laughs> We've been friends for a few years. Yes. I went to college with her, one of her daughters. And so we got reconnected during one of the campaigns, and we've just been we've just been hanging out. And just... We got reconnected actually um, last year, two years ago. And, oh. Yeah, and we talked about what has happened with the election, mm. the divisions within our party, yeah. and how we as individuals have to navigate that. Yep. And we did really well. I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's possible. It's possible. Friendships it's possible. is. Without, and I think it's also important to note that it's possible without sacrificing principles. I think that you're not, I'm not going to stop you from being your progressive self, and you're not going to stop me from being my okay. conservative libertarian self. And we have to at least respect that, not see each other as the enemy. Oh, is that
much more transparent. They're trying to do things right and provide more, make the REC more involved instead of running it from the top down, mm-hmm. which it has been. So that's really why they ran, why mm-hmm. they won, is because our party is urging us to change. And we got that change. Whether it's positive or negative, obviously we have some of other Republicans concerned. Yeah, so let me roll out the bat yes. on this all over. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so Chantal, so, yeah, so what was happening in her race, she had the four fires, four three. Carolyn Watson had actually been under scrutiny for these very same ballot harvesting practices in her previous Okay, the long and short of it is that she would go to usually older black constituents and say, hey, I'll turn in your ballot. I'll help you fill it out. Right? I don't know if the bribery, the bribery wasn't I, in there. It was more coercive. Yes, it was It was primarily coercive. I right. had one person say they offered her $20 and to buy her children's clothes. Yes, okay, so there was a lot of that. Yeah. It was all a whole different stuff. Now, this interesting about this is that it wasn't illegal the first time she did it. It was under investigation. It was only illegal in Florida, in Miami. <laughs> it was only oh illegal God. in Miami in 2018. There is something that happened that I forgot. Like, I know that there was like someone who was a writer or something. It was, okay, so it was Anthony Thomas, who was the local activist that was running Carolyn Watson's campaign that was oh, doing yes, the okay. Jordan War. So both Carolyn Watson and Anthony Thomas were under investigation in 2018 for, for this act. Okay, it wasn't illegal until the was it Senate Bill One passed in 2021. Yeah, that made ballot harvesting and several other yeah. things illegal. Okay, Carolyn is a Democrat. She's a Dino. Okay. Okay. Listen, she never comes. She never comes to any events. She assists the Democratic Party endorsement. And in fact, her main backers are Bruce Strayhorn, mm. who is a major Republican backer here. Yeah, which is ironic because actually Republicans think he's a bad major. No, listen, his partner's not a person. Well, isn't he? Well, also, isn't he married or was he married? He was married to Elizabeth and Elizabeth. Yeah, so that's so a lot of Republicans still don't even think that he's Republican enough. He's considered like like a moderate rhino. He puts his money for Republican candidates. Mm -hmm. Carolyn is actually not ours. Yeah. Okay. So Chantel was the one that was telling me about this. She came and told me, she's oh, all this stuff is happening. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's ballot harvesting. She had no idea because apparently this is a relatively common practice in low-income and black communities yeah. because people trust certain people and they don't know. And it's easy and it's to also, have these kind of operations. Also, a roadblock I came up with when I was doing the investigation was that these communities are tight knit and it's almost, you don't stick on each other, you don't. Do not keep it close to the chest. So it's, it's they won't reveal if anything does happen. That is, they just yeah, keep it under the rug for sure. So I just want to say that when it comes to that component of election integrity, mm-hmm. we actually we want that. We don't want mm-hmm. people to be manipulated. We don't want people to be breaking the law. Yeah. We don't want somebody, especially in this circumstance, not really our candidate. Yeah. So we certainly on the Democratic side weren't all. It would be like if a if a rhino on our end was cheating and cheating of. Uh, conservative Republican. Exactly. So it's interesting. So Chantel was going on a stage. You know, she, I know she went and spoke at Black Women's Civil Integrity Conference. I said, okay. I said, you know, I tell that story. I think it's important. Yeah. So that was saying 
Yeah, she and she spoke to me about it too, because she came to me after, probably after she spoke to you and realized it was about harvesting. She came to me because no one else is really wanting to cover that story, and I usually only cover Cape Coral, so I was trying to see if I can now source this source it out, but no one really seemed to want to touch it, and I thought this was too important a story to just be ignored. And it's also said this happened locally, it's happening in our backyard. But it took me a month to even get one source. And then once I got that one source, I was able to get the other four. And that's how it usually goes. But I was honestly trying not to make it like an October surprise. And then it ended up coming out like a week before because that's when I finally got some. So okay. that's how it is. It's journalism. All you, can't control, you can't control when the sources decide to have to be a source. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now let's talk about my job. Oh God! Mm-hmm. Oh. So the this um, scenario with the Cape Coral incident and some other folks in my public and leadership here mm-hmm. in New County are being seen as quote unquote anti-Thomas, quote unquote white Thomas, who are on the Republican side. Yeah, party. that's not true, but yeah. Yes and no, because he is definitely they're fighting the establishment. Just like yes, that is true. By the way. Yeah. And a handful of folks, Kelly Richter and Collier, they're fighting the establishment. Yeah. Republicans in Collier County. They're also fighting with Byron Donald in Collier County. Really? Oh, we can get into that. We'll get into that. We, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to tell oh, that to be a different episode. That'll be a whole thing. Okay. But um also what's interesting too is that there that it, I don't really quite understand it, but from what I'm looking at, I know that Michael Flynn has been backing Yes. I well, I don't know exactly what you mean by backing. I financial mean, backing. I don't really know how much financial backing is in a German's race per se. Some I guess of them were different primaries and different people running in different races. So, so what happened was first off, you had three people running for chair and one people, including myself, running for secretary. They ran as a ticket, which in and of itself is actually was is how they, they were Yes, General Flynn did endorse that ticket. That is true. Mm-hmm. Did Anthony Sabatini, I believe, as well. And they, they hired Anthony they hired, Sabatini. It's pro bono. That was one of the picks. Uh-huh. I asked about that because I was I, see. not, I'm not the biggest fan of Anthony Sabatini. But I was, I, what I've honestly I've said this to Tara Ken, who's our vice president. We're very good friends. We've actually gone, me and her go way back. We used to, we were a part of the OPAP movement even before. All the, we were school board advocates before we were born, and I got out of it done what then. But we're still good friends, and uh, we serve on committees together. And I told her, like, what I'm realizing is I agree with you guys on principle. I agree with you less on tactics. And that's where I find a lot. And that was probably where Anthony Sabatini and I is the same thing. And a bunch of these people, Republicans in politics, are like, I agree with you on principle, but I'm not a fighter. I'm a pacifist. I'm a policy guy. And so I don't get as aggressive as other people do. He was endorsed by all these different individuals, but in reality, Michael has been involved, involved with our party for a while. All these people mm-hmm. have been involved in our party for a while. They're no, all, Tara, Tara has her own a public image that mm-hmm. she has had with different things that have happened with her. But for those that don't know, she runs, I don't know if she still does it, I think she does, where she does a constitutional education thing every Thursday, where she has also interviewed school board candidates and different candidates running for office. So these people have been around. They're definitely conservative. We elected them. They were, and Michael, mind you, Michael's race went through three ballots. 
and he won by one vote. It was a wow. very tight race, and you have a lot of people, of course, upset by it. But another option was they would have coin flipped, and which would have been even worse. I think that would have divided our party <laughs> even more. Since then, Michael has been giving us weekly reports. We have our first meeting in February. They got us a new location that's a lot bigger. I've been on the bylaws committee, so we've been discussing setting up different bylaws. Um, things that we just want codified, so that way we don't have to rely on things and rules that that the chair says are happening. So we've had. I'm so far satisfied with their leadership. I am definitely familiar with the controversies. One could say that they have, but so here's the question I have on that: so mm-hmm. Do you see that as that get Flynn Trump or light went off here? <laughs> It's not too yes. So, do you see that as that skit when Trump had a cohort versus actually the DeSantis no. establishment? <laughs> I want to put that to bed right now. First off, I don't even think DeSantis is running. I know Democrats like to keep playing with that myth. I really don't think he's running for a few reasons. One, in case anyone forgets 2018 and those campaign ads, he is a Trump loyalist. He will not run against Trump. That is Trump's kind of worried about it. Of course, Trump's Trump's, stuff about that today. Yes, Trump's worried about it because the media is getting worried about it because the media is talking about it. But who haven't we heard about this from? DeSantis. Even during the gubernatorial debates, every time Charlie was like, "Are you going to run? Are you going to run?" Yeah, that was Charlie's campaign strategy. Yeah, exactly. They tried that. Yeah, that was a stupid campaign strategy too, and he didn't even answer. And he's not asking for a reason. And I had my parents even ask me this. They're like. Do you think he's going to run? I'm like, I don't think he's going to run, but I think he's allowing the media to talk sure. about him because like, this is political capital. Of course. So I think I, from what I've been seeing, I think Nikki Haley and Mike Pompeo are going to take a stab at it. I'm very interested to see yep. the, what happens in Georgia and how that affects the race. But I don't think, I think there's this, there's this myth, this narrative that's going out there that there's this divide between a Trump wing and a DeSantis wing. I don't think that's true. I don't, I do think there is, again, I think there was actually an article that Spencer Roach did that I think it sums it up best where you have people within our party, and I would include myself in this, who aren't going to bash Trump. I personally was satisfied with some exceptions with his administration and what he did. And obviously you weren't because we have different views, but I was. And but I think we need fresh blood. I think we need something new. And I think we can have the America First agenda without him as the messenger, I don't think he's the right person for the job. Now, if he's the nominee, I'll probably support him. I would want to see someone else as that nominee. And I think that is a discussion that we're going to start having internally as a party, especially as more people start putting their name up in the ring, in the arena. But I don't think it's Trump versus DeSantis. And I don't think, I don't even think that we can properly describe this leadership group, even though they ran as an America first ticket. Um, I wouldn't describe them as a Trumpian ticket. And the reason I say that is because their reason for running is to give the party itself back to power and to really reform how we do things within the Republican Party and our internal leadership. That was their reason of running. But they, and I've even had these conversations internally with different party leaders about endorsements. We have to go through this process of endorsement. And they told me, like, even if we have presidential elections, they don't really feel comfortable with doing an endorsement. Now, someone else may bring up an endorsement about motion to the floor, and there'll be 
I'll be welcome. And so we have testified there wasn't call yet. I don't know. I, I don't know. That's the other question. <laughs> what I'm curious about what's going to happen, and we're going to see in February today, is how many of the Republicans you know who are there, you know, the quote unquote establishment Republicans. Okay. I don't really like calling that because, but I don't. But because our establishment Republicans, quote unquote, would include like Spencer Rhodes and John mm-hmm. Martin. Mm-hmm. Everything is they're very conservative too. Matt Caldwell's very conservative too. All these people ideologically are conservative. They're just again, they're not just progressive, and they pick their battles. They're mm-hmm. smarter with how they fight. But so um, you said tactics. Yeah, tactics. It's a tactic. It's a tactical thing. So I don't want you to give too many of the behind the scenes. Yeah. Out. <laughs> so I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. No, I hope I'm not giving up. You know, anything we're I think you're fine. So I was gonna say though. So we're we've been on for a little bit of time. I think we have time, and we have talked about there were two things that we wanted yeah, to talk about. Yeah. The speaker vault and the debt ceiling. I think we have time for one. Which one do you want to talk about? I feel like we. Should, I feel like the debt ceiling is not gonna go away. I really want to see. I really want to see what we have to come up with something in our party. Republicans have to come up with a proposal. Um, so I want to wait to see what we come up with before we talk about that. Okay. And I think that the speaker, I think, is somewhat more relevant. Very, what about the speaker about? I think that was very, very interesting. I've been, I was watching that for the past three days while working. I work at a call center, so I had, I had C-SPAN and yeah. a earplug in one ear talking to guests. So let here. me give a synopsis of what had happened. The beginning of the new Congress, every two years, is 118th Congress. Before you can even swear the new members and all the members in, the majority of the people who have been elected must come together and vote for the Speaker of the House. Now, this, of course, usually is quite obviously somebody from the majority party, right? And in this case, the Republicans had, what, a four-seat, five-seat? I think it was seven or something like that. It was less than, it was... No, no five-seat majority. Four, it was four-seat majority. They yeah. could only lose four votes. So only those four votes, no vote. So four-seat and but so that meant that the Republicans had to get everybody on board in order to pass. The Democrats, of course, are saying, nope, we're all going to vote for our guy, Hakeem Jeffries, mm-hmm. and that was it. So they did that. There was a group of Republicans, I call them the Rebellion Caucus, <laughs> because it's actually a whole bunch of different Republicans. It's the Freedom Caucus, yeah. it's people who are back for growth, so there's crossover between there. Mm-hmm. And then there's a handful of other. Yeah. Characters. Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Who are kind of part of About 20 of them mm-hmm. won at the time. Right? Yeah. And so this ended up going on and on and on. So rather than being a one vote and and move forward, and it was over a week and it was 15, 15 votes before ultimately um, the Rebellion Caucus was held and the Speaker of Kevin Chosen. Yeah. So it was it was entertaining for sure. It was I, I, when Byron Donald got nominated. I was like shocked. So I, I saw I, I saw it. I Troy nominated and I posted on Facebook. I was like, I want to see you. And then the next day I'm like, oh my god, they're actually doing this. But and at that in of itself was was interesting. And I know you had of course your podcast talking about it. I'm you know good friends with Byron. I would have been excited to see that, but I knew that this was it was Posturing to try to get rewarded. And you do have to really understand it from a Republican perspective. What we were trying to do was get what I feel were very much needed reforms. Um, was it the best way to go about it? Maybe not. Again, tactics, but practice versus principles. But 
I don't fault that group of people for fighting. To, to be the first speaker in over 100 years who's been at one of the heroes. Yeah. That's definitely like shit. It's humbling. <laughs> it's definitely humbling for like, sure. But it also, and I think it kind of almost reflects what happened with our local party, where what we were really trying to get is more power to the individual members as opposed to speaker. Sure. You have, it's, it's the same way in, in the state legislature too, where everything is trickled down from the leadership. And so I appreciate- Which got even worse under Ron Shannon, actually. Yeah. His control over the party, so nothing went to the state yeah. floor in the House and Senate until Senate two mm. that wasn't part of the leadership agenda. Yeah. And that was actually stifled by the Republican members as well. I mean, yeah, that is, too, nobody, that they're would... not in the minority. But even other Republicans weren't enough to bring anything to the floor on the committee because nothing outside the leadership agenda. Which, which definitely I'm not a big fan of that style. Now, mind you, I tend to agree with Ron DeSantis, so I'm not I too What's the word? Authoritarian. Ooh. I hate it when you describe us like that. I don't think we're authoritarian. I could get where you're going at with this. There's definitely a power consolidation among We could talk about the whole episode. The whole episode about Oh, Ron DeSantis? I'm down for I'm down for a DeSantis show. I'm down we, for a DeSantis. We can do a DeSantis show. Anyways, let's go back to this. Yeah. So <laughs> you're saying humbled, things happened with a speaker that the speaker got with McCarthy. Yeah. So ultimately, you think it, it was good, but the tactics weren't. I wish it, I wish it didn't last as long. I went, I I think I honestly think that probably these compromises could have been made a few days prior. I don't think, or I think that, but, and I really blame both sides. I think Evan thought, oh, I can just exhaust these people. And that was his tactic. He didn't even want to go to the table. And then finally, when he went to the table and started pulling people away, that's when, you know, you got some movement. And had he done that two to three days before, it wouldn't have been as embarrassing. But he should have been working behind the scenes. He would usually not. Yeah. So it's not to say that these kind of negotiations happen. It absolutely happens. But you know, oh, yeah, of course. That's why Nancy Pelosi and Hakeem Jeffries became mm. the, the party. But leader. they did it internally. And they, so they did it internally. Yeah. And then when Bloomberg does it right now, mm. she's, and, she's out after And really that. the real issue, the real issue was you did have four or five groups of people who were like, never Kevin, no matter what. So you had that gang of people. And again, we lost, he didn't get as thick of a majority as he got. These do have consequences. And that's something that we have to accept yeah. and do better on. But yeah, we're very prideful in there. I swear Kevin McCarthy's thinking we're going to get 50 to 70 seats. Pride cometh before destruction, as Proverbs say. So <laughs> definitely, we were definitely, it was a humbling victory for us. I do. I am thankful that we won. I am thankful that we have the house and we're going to get the things that we need. I'm interested. You're not, obviously. No, you're not going to get anything. It's a, it's a get the slim majority of the That's house. true. Okay, yeah. You have a, a Democratic You're right. I, Mm. They're not going to go along. They're going to be. But it's not even that. Line. The other thing is that we also have the other side of the Republicans or moderates who could always swing. That's more like even with the debt ceiling vote, I'm not worried about because. You know, and mind you, I do think we need to. We could have a different discussion on this at a later date when we actually have a plan. But I do. I am supportive of trying to get a bunch of cuts connected to that debt ceiling yeah. or whatever debt ceiling deal. That mind was you, the, that was the comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And I would say that is my position as well. I do think that, and, and is it ideal? No, but it is definitely something that needs to be on the table. But I 
also don't think it's going to be as easy because you've got those 21 no labels and public and sovereign caucus Republicans that will switch over to the Democratic side. We can only lose four. So I'm not, I feel like in my personal opinion, what I think we should have is figure out whatever like major spending cuts or balanced budget amendment, something big. But I think we actually need to eliminate the debt ceiling. I think we need to eliminate yeah. the debt ceiling too because that's actually coming. Let's have the discussion on the budget discussion. We should, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, and that yeah, that's why I said it's not ideal, no. uh, but it is definitely something we need to. I, I again, as a conservative, we've got suspending cuts of the balanced budget amendment, but I don't think we'll I'm talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about it another time. But I think I'm in agreement. I think I've been, I've seen too many of these fights play out, and I'm getting tired of it. And so I'm willing to yeah. to eliminate the debt ceiling as a Republican, but it would need to come with massive concessions for us in order to agree to something like that. In my that's opinion. What you're but anyway, so those were things that actually Kevin McCarthy, from what I understand, agreed to at least bring up in committee and yeah. for a debate. How far they're going to get? That also part of what McCarthy had negotiated was certain high-ranking positions on committees. So mm-hmm. Byron on oversight, oh, yeah. amongst other subcommittees, which I'm excited that. for. I'm interested to see what he does there. The most entertaining one, I would say, is Parker's going to agree on Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. That that one. That will be that will be an enjoyable C-SPAN episode to watch. Oh my lord! Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild. I don't think anybody's really anticipating a whole lot getting done. Yeah, I, I'm thinking. I just yeah, I was thinking that too. I feel like we're at least we're probably gonna have a government shutdown within yeah. this within this year and next probably too. So if we don't default, uh, that ceiling like that's gonna be determined, and and then well, we're, we're gonna get full swing into the presidential election here. So I think I'm gonna sideline everything. Oh, that's a good point too. I didn't even think about all of that. I'm trying, I'm trying to forget that we still have a presidential election. That's going to be no, you're going to have this whole year is going to be a bunch of stuff going to be thrown out there. It's not going to get very far. It's we're, going to be taken down by the Senate. It's never going to be taken true. up, and then it's going to be presidential election year. So we're going to have a lot of topics to talk about. That's for sure. So it's going to be. I'm super excited. excited. Yeah, me too. So great. To a close, we've proven at least in our first episode that we can have a discussion, we can disagree, yeah, we can have a laugh, we can enjoy the conversation, yeah, we can inform about our perspective, and that there's a lot of other things to talk about. Oh, there's so much that we can talk about, so uh, definitely, uh, we're doing this bi weekly, yes. So um, every other day, so we'll be here. Oh, that's Super Bowl Sunday, though. That's what Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, we may let's have to do, schedule that let's one. Actually, I'm okay with doing this next Sunday. We'll update you on Facebook here if we do it next Sunday. Because <laughs> I just don't think that Super Bowl Sunday is going to be a great Sunday for you. That's a good um, point. But also that, so a big shout out once again to Ollie's Club yes. and Rackers for hosting us. It's going to be here. You'll see when we put out the event. Come hang out with us. Grab a sandwich, grab a beer, have a conversation. We'll hang out with you afterwards. But and, and don't forget to also subscribe fl.com subscribe and then you're going to have an opportunity to, to subscribe to this podcast exclusively but if you watch this and you get the chance to become a foundation member mm-hmm. by january 31st you're going to get this as well as all big mouth media content that includes the live shows the videos the articles all of it for free forever for 50 dollars. and that's a good deal because i have february 1st everything goes to its own individual month-to-month subscription this is your opportunity to help us 
small business loans, help keep independent media open, help have conversations like this. They're going to enrich our community and be a part of a movement for independent media here in Florida. So yeah. get that taken care of on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, YouTube as well. Yeah. We're going to keep uh, having Spotify, Are we going to be on Spotify? Or Actually, this, once we, once we edit this, so we'll have this edited and it will be out on Tuesday. You will be able to find it wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, yeah. Spotify, Audible, Amazon, iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, something. TuneIn. Everything. <laughs> you'll also find it on the Big House Media website, mm-hmm. BigHouseMediaFL.com, as well as on our our channels on social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I'll definitely be sharing this one. Absolutely, get share everything. it. And uh, waiting all the calls from angry Republicans. <laughs> Hopefully not, but that's right. What? Um, <laughs> thank you so much. I don't know what you just said. Oh, thank you. I'm Sean Hartman. And we'll see you next time on Democrat and Republican Walking to a Bar. Hashtag BVR.